God is good to us. Would you stand with me tonight? We're going to uh, make our confession and then we're going to share the word of God. It's good to see everybody tonight. Even if you came just to get out of the heat. <laughs> Hallelujah. This is the first heat wave. We all complained about the snow. Now get ready. <laughs> here comes the other side of the blessing. <laughs> Amen. Let's make our confession. I am here on purpose because I have a purpose. My heart is open. My mind is ready to receive because God is not finished with me yet. My best days are right in front of me and I have victory in my life because Jesus lives in me. Tell two or three people, I'm glad you came tonight. <laughs> you can be seated. Well, we have another new baby. Um, actually, we've had three babies this week, and uh, we are blessed with babies, but um, tonight, like 10 minutes ago, the Hatfields became grandparents again. Theodore has arrived, so... <laughs> She just showed me a picture, five minutes old. So, praise the Lord. It's uh, Connie Brown uh, became a great grandma again this week. She has like I don't know ten great grandbabies due this year or something. And then uh, Pam and Phyllis Evie have a new baby in their family. So uh, we'll have all that information on Sunday. But uh, thank God for new life in the earth and uh you know i was thinking about what you said david i was just reading today you know the bible says that when we're born again we will never die again i mean we that's our death right there and then we live forever we just live in this life and then we live eternally but we don't we don't die our our physical body we leave it and that's called death but the death that jesus did was the once and for all that took care of everything for us. And so we'll live forever. Close your eyes here. Open your eyes in heaven. Isn't that good news? Devil can't threaten you with he's going to kill you because, I mean, what's on the other side? Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> well, tonight we're going to talk about read the signs. Everybody say read the signs. And actually, uh, I was driving the other morning. On Monday mornings, I usually go to breakfast uh, sometimes with my sister, but if she can't, I still go by myself on Monday morning. It's kind of my treat for making it through Sunday. Uh, <laughs> and so I go out to the Cracker Barrel usually if I'm by myself, and I go out, uh, of course, 26, which you all know that's a main thoroughfare here. And um, it's just amazing to me how people can get mixed up on a highway, on, on a road that's marked you know, with signs. And when you get out toward the interstate, I'm not sure who designed the highway out there, but uh, whatever they did, it didn't work out quite right. And they were trying to redirect people, but they've, they've made other uh, changes, you know, and you're going like this, and then you go like this, and you go like that. And, uh, and then there's 65 north and south right there. And so one night I was on my way to my daughter's, and a person clear in the left lane shot across all lanes, to go south on 65, you know, and everybody's like stopping. But there's signs on the side of the road. There's signs up above. And now they painted one right on the ground. And uh, hopefully that will help people get where they're going. But I was praying about what to share tonight. And when I, I just saw those signs for the first, I mean, I've never really seen the signs. I've seen the drivers crossing the road every which direction, but I've not looked at the signs, but I was looking around, and I thought, well, there's no reason that you couldn't figure this out if you read the signs. Everybody say, read the signs. And uh, I just felt like God said, that's what I want you to share on, reading the signs. And um, I believe God's giving us lots of signs in the day we're living in, but I want you to know that's what God's done from the very beginning. And so I want to uh, have you open the word tonight to Genesis 9, 11 through 13. And we'll start right there. Uh, God posts signs, you know, uh, just like, you know, you look on your phone for posts. God posts signs. And uh, one sign, very actually, I think probably the first one in the Bible is in Genesis chapter 9. And uh, we've seen this this week. I don't know if you saw the rainbows, but it's in Genesis 9. Um, it says uh, in verse, let's look at verse 11. Thus I establish my covenant with you. Never again shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood. This is right after the flood um, where Noah was the only one with his family that was a survivor of that flood. And then 
two of every kind of animal, bird, every everything of life. Thus establish, I will establish my covenant never again. Everybody say never again. Shall all flesh be cut off by the waters of the flood? Never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. Now, we've had a great amount of flooding this year, especially out in the West, uh, what they call the Midwest. I thought we were Midwest, but they consider Nebraska and all those states out there. But the flooding has been very, very, uh, uh, very bad this year out there. And, and, of course, our farmers are even late in getting all their harvest in. But God's made a promise. Everybody say, God made a promise. And it goes on and it says, never again shall there be a flood to destroy the earth. And God said, this is the, this is the what? The sign. This is the sign of the covenant which I make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. That means it affects clear to us. And then it says, I set my rainbow in the cloud and it shall be for the sign of the covenant between me and the earth. It shall be when I bring a cloud over the earth that the rainbow shall be seen in the cloud. And I, this is God, will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh. The waters shall never again become a flood to destroy all flesh. The rainbow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it to remember. In other words, God is going to look at that sign to remember that he will never, ever flood the earth to destroy all flesh again. Um, if God has to look at the signs, I think we probably ought to take a little bit of notice to the signs that God puts out there for us. And uh, in Luke, too, you know, when Jesus came, uh, was going to be born. Uh, this is what the Word of God says in Luke 2, and we're going to look at verse 8. Uh, and I'm going to give you a few scriptures tonight because I want to show you that God is always, always giving signs of what he's about to do, what he's going to do, how he's going to lead us, how he's going to guide us. It says, now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, do not be afraid. For behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. For this, there is born to you this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign. Everybody say a sign. What was the sign? The sign was you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And that's what they found when they arrived in Bethlehem. Everybody say that was the sign. That was the sign that there was born today in this city of David a Savior. Everybody say a Savior. And there was a sign for the shepherds. There would be this sign. Um, God wants us to know what's him and what's not him. And we can count on that in our lives. Uh, I know there have been many things in our lives. But God, the Bible says, uh, the same yesterday, today, today and forever. And so, you know, some of the stories in the Old Covenant, some of the things we read, um, you know, we just think that was back there. But, but it's for always. You know, the way, the nature, the character of God has been the same from Genesis through Revelations. God has never changed. God does not kill, steal, and destroy. He gives life and gives it more abundantly because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so as these signs, I believe God's given us signs for the times that we're living in right now. And um, I want you to look at Matthew 16, because I think that a lot of times um, we don't know how to discern the times. We don't know how to discern the signs of the times. And uh, in Hebrews, it says, uh, but solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who by reason of use, everybody say reason of use. That means we have to practice learning to understand the signs and the times that God is giving. It says reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. There's lots of things happening today that if you can see beyond what the media is saying, beyond what a doctor is saying, beyond what friends are saying. If you can see beyond that to discern the time, discern the sign 
of the time rather than what you hear other people saying. Ultimately, we're all going to be responsible for our own life. In other words, what I say is never supposed to be what leads you. We're here to teach you to be led by the Holy Spirit, just like David was saying. And when we're led by the Holy Spirit, then we're able to discern. And so in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus is saying uh, to the Sadducees and Pharisees, it says, then the Sadducees and Pharisees came and testing him, asked that he would show them a sign from heaven. And he answered and said to them, when it is evening, you say, it will be fair weather for the sky is red. And then in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and threatening. Hypocrites, you know how to discern the face of the sky, but you cannot discern the signs of the times. We're held accountable to understand what's the sign of the times. Now, in Matthew 24, we're going to talk about that later, but God is very clear about the end times. But uh, how many of you know Jerusalem is a big key? in the sign of the times. And so God wants us to be aware. You know, we're watching maybe what, you know, NBC and ABC and all these things are, you know, all these people are saying in the media. We need to know what God is saying. And we know what God is saying by the signs of the times, according to what the word of God says. And, um, you know, in Exodus, uh, I just want to show you a few ways God leads with signs, but we all know the story of Moses. But Exodus chapter 3 in verse 11, it says, But Moses said to God, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? So he said, I will certainly be with you. You know, God doesn't really have to tell you who you are. He has to tell you who he is. That's what we really need to know. And so he's saying to Moses, it really isn't about who you are. It's about who I am. And I am certainly with you. Then he says, And this shall be a sign to you that I have sent you when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Well, I'm sure to him right then that didn't make a whole lot of sense. But if you go on in, in Exodus 12, it says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt. God gave many signs to Pharaoh, many signs that he was he was the one who was saying that to let the people go. But in, and this is in the last chapter right before uh, he strikes the, all of Egypt, uh, all the firstborn. It says, I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood, everybody say the blood. The blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And I will see the blood. Remember where God said, I will see the rainbow. And it will be the sign that reminds me that I will never flood the earth. Here he's saying, I will see the blood. The blood was the sign. Not how good the children of Israel were, but the blood was the sign that would show him not to destroy in that house. Do you know the blood of Jesus covers every one of us? So the enemy, the destroyer, the devil, he cannot destroy what belongs to you. The blood is a sign that we belong to Jesus. That's why when we take covenant and we take the, the wine or the, the grape juice or whatever it is, it's a sign of a covenant. It reminds us of the covenant that we have with God. It is a sign where you are, and when I see the blood, I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. I want to tell you the day we're living in, we need to be glad that the blood is over us and over our house. When I was a single mom and I lived in Tulsa by myself with my three kids, um, I lived in an apartment complex and there was a, some of you have heard this, but there was a, a person who started getting into apartments and attacking women in those apartments. And, um, scared my children and you know of course it it concerned me scared me I had no just one friend there one family that were friends and uh, nobody could figure out how he was getting in we turned out he was a maintenance guy but um every night that I lived in that in that apartment when I first moved there I felt like the Lord quickened me to plead the blood over my doors over my windows over all my house 
over all my appliances, over, over me, over my kids. And so I would plead the blood, plead the blood. Well, you know, I didn't know at the time necessarily, you know, all the meaning of all of that. But I believe it was a sign <laughs> that I, what was in that house was protected by the power and the anointing of God. Because the blood is a sign. The blood is a sign of the covenant that we have in the New Testament. It's related to us. This is the new covenant that I will make with you. And it's because of the blood of Jesus. If you go over in chapter 13, it says the firstborn consecrated to God. Um, The firstborn of the Israelites would be consecrated to God. He said in verse uh, 1 of chapter 13, Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn. Whatever opens the wound among the children of Israel, both of man and beast, it belongs to me. And if you look at the Old Covenant, you'll see where when God numbered the the children of Israel and he put them in tribes um, and the Levites were set aside to take care of the temple, um, there weren't enough Levites to represent the uh, amount of the firstborn of all of the tribes. And so there was some... uh, financial money that had to be given in order to make up that difference. Everything that was first belonged to God. And that hasn't changed. If you read the Bible in uh, Proverbs, it says, bring the first fruits. Everybody say the first fruits. First fruits belong to God. And it says, consecrate to me the firstborn. So then it goes on in verse 3, that Moses said to the people, remember this day in which you went out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, for by strength of hand, of hand, the Lord brought you out of this place. No leavened bread shall be eaten. On this day you are going out in the month of Abib. It shall be when the Lord brings you to the land of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Amorites, the Hivites, the Jebusites. Everybody say that was the promised land. It had giants in it, but it was the promised land, which he swore to your fathers to give you a land flowing with milk and honey, that you shall keep this service in this month. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread, and on the seventh day there shall be a feast to the Lord. Unleavened bread shall be eaten seven days, and no leavened bread shall be seen among you, nor shall leaven be seen among you in all your quarters. You shall tell your son in that day, saying, This is done because of what the Lord did for me when I came up from Egypt. It shall be a it shall be a sign to you. In other words, this feast of the unleavened bread, the the reminder of what God did when he passed through Egypt and he did not touch one of the houses of the children of Israel. The Passover is celebrated all, always, every year in Israel to remind them of, it's a sign. Everybody say it's a sign. It's a sign that God protected them and delivered them in that situation. It shall be a sign to your hand and as a memorial between your eyes that the Lord's law may be in your mouth. For with a strong hand the Lord has brought you out of Egypt. You shall therefore keep this ordinance in its season year to year. If you want to know why they do what they do in Israel, read the Old Covenant. Because that's where they live, in that Old Covenant. Um, I want you to turn to 1 Samuel. This is one of my, one of my favorite Bible stories. It's, it's about um, Saul's son. And, um, you know, sometimes uh, we get in a position where we're between a rock and a hard place. Have you ever been between a rock and a hard place? <laughs> that means you don't see any way to get out of that situation. But God will always make a way where there is no way. And so uh, in this chapter of 14 of 1 Samuel, um, Jonathan is, is with a servant and someone that's with him. And um, it was the man who bore his armor. And just before this, um, the Philistines came against the Israelites. And uh, there were three different groups of them coming against them from three different directions. And what had happened was the weapons for the Israelites Uh, they always sharpened their swords and did everything through uh, the Philistines. And and now they couldn't, the Philistines weren't going to help. So the only people who had a sword were Saul and his son, Jonathan. They were the only two that had a sword. And it says that, it says in verse 22 of 13, so it came about on the day of battle that there was neither sword nor spear found in the hand of any of the people who were with Saul and Jonathan, but they were found with Saul and Jonathan, his son. 
and the garrison of the Philistines went out to the pass at Michmash. So I'm going to read this to you. I don't know that I put all of it up on the screen, but in, in chapter 14, verse 1, now it happened one day that Jonathan, the son of Saul, said to the young man who bore his armor, come, let us go over to the Philistines' garrison that is on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Uh, verse 4, between the passes by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistine garrison. Now, this is just him and his armor guy. Everybody say, God will lead by signs. I don't know why he decided to do this. Well, Saul was over there with the army, and they weren't doing anything. But the pass by which Jonathan sought to go over to the Philistines' garrison, there was a sharp rock on one side and a sharp rock on the other side. He was between a rock and a hard place. There were sharp rocks both sides of the deal. And the name of one was Bozes, and the other was Sinna. The front of one faced northward, opposite Michmash, and the other southward, opposite Geba. Then Jonathan said to the young man who bore his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of those uncircumcised. Everybody say uncircumcised. That means they didn't have a covenant. They could not win. Jonathan knew he had a covenant. And he said, let us go over. It may be the Lord will work for us, for nothing restrains the Lord from saving by many or by few. So his armor bearer said to him, do all this that is in your heart. Go then, here am I with you, according to your heart. That would take a lot of uh, bravery two people against the armies of the Philistines. And, uh, you know, we hear the story of David and Goliath, but this is another story kind of like that. And then Jonathan said, very well, let us go over to these men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say thus to us, wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place and not go up to them. But if they say, come up to us, then we will go up. For the Lord has delivered them into our hand, and this will be a sign to us. You know, sometimes we get in a position where we don't know what God wants us to do in a situation. I believe the same as Jonathan. We know we have a covenant. We can say, God, give me a sign that this is what you're saying for me to do. God knows your heart. He will help you. He will show you. What, um, what David said is so important in the offering. God wants to be your savior, your deliverer, your healer, everything that you need. You can know about Jesus, but if you never practice letting him be who he wants to be in your life, you're never going to know who he really is. And, and that's, you know, tithing, I, I agree with David, that's just the beginning. It's everyday things. When I was driving down the road and I was praying, Lord, what, what would I even preach on Wednesday night? Because my husband always says, is it going to be you or going to be me? And I kind of felt like I was supposed to do tonight. But I had no idea what God was going to say. When he started say, showing me those signs, I knew this is what he wants me to do. Because when you know him, you know when he's talking to you. And so he gives you, for me, it was a sign this week. But, you know, other times it's a word. Sometimes it's a scripture. Sometimes it's... You know, just something that happens, and then he keeps confirming it through other things. God wants to let you know that he knows about you. That, that is just what God wants to do, because he wants to have fellowship with you, and he will give you a sign. He gave them the sign, so both of them showed themselves to the garrison of Philistines. And the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden. The enemy always wants you to think that you are the defeated one, and he is the one that has the power. So that's the way the devil wants you to see yourself, like living in a hole afraid, like Gideon. Then it says, Then the men of Garrison called to Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, Come up to us, and we will show you something. So Jonathan said to his armor bearer, Come up after me for the Lord. How did he know the Lord had delivered them into his hand? Because the sign, by what they said, well, what made them say what they said? The Lord. The Lord can even make your enemy be the one that gives you the sign that you go where you're supposed to go. God is in charge when you let him be in charge, when you make him the one. And I love what Jonathan said, God can save by many or by few. We don't need somebody else to win for us. We can win by ourselves. You know, so many times... Um, I believe in the body of Christ, uh, 
people look to uh, people who are the speakers. You know, they they go, they hear speakers everywhere. Not that I, I do that. I like to go hear other people share, and I do listen to other people. Last week we watched Paul Doherty, uh, and we shared his message in here. So I'm not against that. But no one's faith, no one's ability to be led by God is going to be because of what somebody else said or what somebody else did. You have to know that in your knower, as Brother Hagen used to say. Your knower has to know. And so it's very critical. You know, what if Jonathan had not done this? You know, he, and it says immediately they went in and killed 20 of the Philistines. And then in the end, the Philistines fled uh, because they thought, God can make the enemy think that greater is he that's in you. Better than you can make him think that. Greater is he that's in us than he that is in the world. And so I believe we're going to face many battles in the day we're living in. I believe it's a sign of the times, the things that we're seeing, the things that we're experiencing. But I learned a long time ago in here in prayer with Sue and my sister in the mornings when we would come. There was a season there that Sue would come every morning, and, and we came with her. Uh, a lot of the time, and, and God said to me, don't, don't look at what you see with your natural eyes. Don't pray according to what you see with your natural eyes. Pray in the spirit, and I will show you what's really going on. See, when you know God, you can know more than anybody that is standing around you. Jonathan was in a position, he didn't even tell his father what he was doing, but he was led by the spirit of God in that situation. And, and Moses, with all those people, it was just Moses and Aaron. You know, if you think back to that, I mean, they, they led all those people out of Egypt, just the two of them, with all of them grumbling and complaining. You know, it's hard, even with the churches, you know, to, to get everybody in agreement all at the same time. You know, if I ask all of you tonight, you'd all probably have a different opinion. But I don't care about anybody's opinion. I want to know what the Holy Ghost is saying. Because the Holy Spirit says the same thing to every single person that's sitting right here. And when people get into opinions, then they lose track of what the Holy Ghost is saying. They begin to be led by their intellect rather than their spirit. And when you need to know what God is saying, when you're in traffic on that 26 at 5 o'clock at night, it's a lot different than being out there at eight, 9 o'clock in the morning when nobody else is on the road. But you start trying to cross lanes at the end of the day and going in front of people, somebody's going to get in an accident. You have to know what the signs are saying. And that's between us and the Father in those situations. Um, in Ezekiel, um, I, 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 Jeremiah and Ezekiel are hard to read. How many of you have ever read? <laughs> just love to read Ezekiel and Jeremiah. They are, when I read through the Bible, it's like, wow, these guys, I don't know if I would have wanted to be a prophet in that day. They really went through some stuff to warn the children of Israel of their impending captivity, and they never listened to any of it. I believe God's going to raise up people in this day that are going to be persecuted. I believe there are people already in position that are being persecuted for standing up and saying what God's told them to say because evil is per starting to push against good like never before. But if you know the signs of the times, we know that's going to happen. But greater, that's, greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. We overcome. But in Ezekiel, um, God said, you are a sign. In other words, who you are. Who you are right now, I have made you a sign to the people of Israel. In other words, what I'm going to do to you is to show them what I'm going to do to them. And, uh, you know, it's not the most fun book in the Bible. Not everybody gets up and shouts, let's read Ezekiel. But uh, I'm going to read a little bit of it to you because it's the word of God. And um, Judah's captivity is what my Bible says portrayed. Now, you know, this was at a time where God had multiple times, multiple times, you read it all through the Old Covenant, tried to get Israel to get in the right place, to do the right thing. And they just continually, uh, king after king, one would do good, three would do bad, one would do good, two would do good, and then there'd be three kings. And the kings were in authority. 
That was that was who was ruling. And so they would go in and out of these in good, doing good, doing bad, doing good, doing evil is what the Bible says. This one did evil inside of the Lord. This one did good inside of the Lord. And so it says, the word of the Lord came to me saying, son of man, this is, he's saying this to Ezekiel, you dwell in the midst of a rebellious house, which has eyes to see, but does not see and ears to hear, but does not hear, hear for they are a rebellious house. Have could you say right now we have some rebellious houses in the earth? Therefore, son of man, prepare your belongings for captivity and go into captivity by day in their sight, and you shall go from one place into captivity to another place in their sight. It may be that they will consider, though they are, rebel though they are a rebellious house. What does he want them to consider? That this is what's going to happen to you if you don't change what you're doing. In other words, his life became the sign. By day you shall bring out your belongings in their sight as though going into captivity, and in the evening you shall go in their sight like those who go into captivity. Dig through the wall in their sight and carry your belongings in, out through it. In their sight you shall bear them on your shoulders. In other words, he was carrying the load of their wrong on him. And bring, you shall carry the load on your shoulders, wait, I lost my place here, and in their sight, as though going into captivity, even though you should go into captivity, in their sight, you will bear them on your shoulders, carry them out at twilight. You shall cover, now he's not really carrying them, but he's carrying the burden of them. Cover your face so that you cannot see the ground, for I have made you a sign to the house of Israel. In other words, he was using his life and what he was going to make him do to show them what was going to happen to them. Now, you know, that's when everybody doesn't want to be a prophet. There's a lot of people who'd like to be a prophet, but when the prophet has to do something like that, that's not the time you want their job. Because that's, he, all the time in this book, you will say, see, I have made you a sign. I have made you a sign. I have made you a sign. In verse 11, it says, when they ask you about this, because when they talk to you about it, you, it says, son of man has not the house of Israel, the rebellious house said to you, what are you doing? Say to them, thus says the Lord God, this burden concerns the prince of Jerusalem and all the house of Israel who are among you. Say, I am a sign to you as I have done, so it shall be done to them. They shall be carried away into captivity. You know, you don't, when you read the word of God, you don't necessarily see all of this. I mean, when the Lord first said that to me on Tuesday, uh, speak this, read the signs. I thought, well, what scripture am I going to say that about? I didn't realize there were so many scriptures about the signs of the time. I knew the signs of the times, but signs that God specifically gave to people to warn them, to lead them, to, to, to send them on a mission, um, God loves us so much that he will try to help us escape from the places that are going to destroy us. Everybody say, thank God. Amen. How many of you have ever had something happen and think, oh, maybe that was a sign from God? Yeah. My uh, husband, we were at a, my granddaughter's wedding, and uh, it was a funny thing, but a situation happened, and, uh, and, and my sister uh, got a text, and my, my husband said, well, I bet that's a sign. I bet that's a sign because you're at a wedding, da-da-da-da, da-da-da. He had all this whole trail of stuff, and he called it a sign. Well, you know, there's, there are things that do happen in our life that are a sign that this is, uh, there's a scripture in Isaiah. I wrote it down because it used to help me back in when I was in Tulsa and my husband was in Bible school. I had a situation where I had a choice to make. And uh, I, I felt like I was supposed to quit my job and go to Bible school. And I really was wrestling with that because it sounded like a good thing. And my husband at that time was the assistant director of the Bible school. And uh, Pastor Billy Joyce used to say, he, he used to call us like pastors together. And I never went to Bible school. So I thought, well, I probably ought to go to Bible school. And, uh, but God said to me, I heard this, no you've been to Bible school with me. And I thought, yes, but there's nobody who, I mean, I don't have a diploma. But I had spent hours in the Word of God by myself as a single mom, just all the time in the Word of God, because I was desperate 
to have somebody help me. <laughs> so I only had God. And, uh, but I heard that, no, don't you do it. Well, Isaiah 30 said um, that he, he warned the children, do not go to Egypt. Do not go to Egypt for help. Don't go down to Egypt to, for them to rescue you because Egypt can't rescue. Only I can rescue you. And he took me to that scripture. And I thought, well, Lord, I'm not going to Egypt. I'm going to Bible school. And that's not Egypt. That's got to be good. But I kept hearing that, no, and that's not me. And so I talked to my husband. Of course, my husband, this is what my husband always says to me, whatever you feel God's telling you, that's what you need to do. I'm looking for him to be the Holy Spirit, and he won't do it. Other times he tries to be the Holy Spirit, and I don't like it. But when I mean to be the Holy Spirit, he won't be the Holy Spirit. And so he said to me, if that's what you feel like God's telling you to do. Well, I was the only one. I mean, I was working so he could go to Bible school. He had just started working. And believe me, we were in no position for me to quit working. But it sounded like the right thing. But I kept hearing, no, I told you I'm your teacher. And so I read, when I read that, Isaiah, I thought, uh-oh, I have made a bad, you know, this is not God. Because it says, woe to you. Everybody say, woe. Whoa, that means stop. Whoa. Woe to the rebellious children, it says, who take counsel but not of me, who devise plans but not of my spirit. I thought, oh, well, then it gets worse. In chapter 31, I read that, and it says, Woe to those who go down to Egypt and rely on horses who trust in chariots. I felt like God was saying to me, I don't want you to trust in the teaching of man. I want you to trust in what I've told you myself. Well, that was really, you know, I, I'm thinking, well, is that just, you know, the enemy? I mean, everybody should go to Bible school if they're going to do this. And, uh, but I, I didn't feel like God was saying that. Then I got over to, it says in verse 21 of 30, your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, this is the way, walk you in it. Everybody say, there will be a voice. There will be a sign that says, this is the way, walk you in it in it. We put a sign right out here in the hallway. Heather said to me, we want to put a sign out there that's got arrows that show where everything is. It's a sign for people to know where to go. God will give you signs, but you have to be able to recognize those signs. And that only comes by trial and error in our lives. It doesn't happen all the time. But everybody say this, I am a sign. And this is what it says in Isaiah 8:18. Here am I and the children whom the Lord has given me. We are for signs and wonders in Israel. I say that over my kids, over my life all the time. Here am I and these kids. <laughs> that was back way long ago when I was by myself. Here am I and these three that if you can do something with them, I believe they're for a sign and a wonder. Everybody say a sign and a wonder. You may say, well, my kids, you know, they're not doing what they're supposed to. Start saying what the word says about your children and not what you see. I told my sister today, I'm very concerned. Now I'm going to preach. So hold on. I am very concerned about single women today with children. I was one. I wasn't on welfare. I worked. I worked eight hours a day, five days a week, and I didn't have a lot of money. I didn't have enough money for groceries, but God gave me groceries. Somebody would give them to me. Then God would say, give some of those away. So I'd give some of those away, and then God would show up and give me more. He began to teach me that I could do all things through Christ who strengthened me. As a single mom, it wasn't in today's world the way it is, and I know it's much worse today, but I want to tell you, I'm concerned about the generation that these moms are raising. They have to learn that they have a purpose. They have a destiny. And their destiny is not letting somebody else take care of them. Their destiny is them becoming who God called them to be. And I don't know if God's just putting this on my heart, but it's getting stronger and stronger. We are raising young people to think that other people will take care of them. And God is the one who takes care of them, but they do what God says, and that's how God takes care of them. Are you getting this? Otherwise, we destroy everything that's in them that God put in them for them to prosper and be the generation that God is trying to raise up for the future. And so, you know, I, I'm really concerned. Uh, I'd like all of you to be praying for single moms that they have the courage to know that God, if they put God first in their home with their family, 
and begin to trust God to be that person to lead them, he will do it, and he will take care of their families. This is the way. Walk you in it. Do not turn to the right or to the left. Only go where God is telling you to go, and God will give you a sign. He will show you that you're doing what you're supposed to. It says in Matthew 24, 24, in the last days. Everybody say last days. And it's Jesus talking about the times. And the people are asking him, what will be the signs of your coming? Jesus is coming again. It says false Christ. It says many things. But one of those things in 24 is false Christ and false prophets will rise up and show great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, the elect. Now, let me read Hebrews again to you. Hebrews 5.14. But solid food belongs to those who are of full age, that is, those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. We are going to have to know the false from the real in these last days. And there, there's, there's a voice rising up that says everybody can be whatever they want to be, and they can, they can serve God and be whoever they want to be. But if you read the whole gospel, that's not the way it is. And so what we do then is allow people to be sucked in to captivity, just like what happened in Ezekiel's day. And the only people who are going to be a sign and a wonder are us. Because it says we, in Matthew or in Mark chapter 16, I'll give you the scripture and then I'm going to end. After the Lord had spoken to them, this was right before Jesus was taken up, he was received up into heaven and sat down at the right hand of God. They went out and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirmed the word through accompanying signs. Now, if there's going to be false signs, then there's going to be real signs. And if the Bible says in 1 John, you are children of God, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world, then the signs of the believers are going to be greater than the signs of the evil. I believe that. And, but we are going to have to know that we are for signs and wonders. You're not going to know if you're a sign if you've never followed a sign. They say, get her off there and get that guy back up there. I'll tell you, I am ready to see people rescued from the hell they're living in. And they're not going to be rescued if we just say, it's going to be all right. Because it isn't going to be all right. We have to know what God's saying. We have to begin to read the signs that God is giving us that will direct us in the right way. Instead of trying to cross traffic, you know, the further this goes in the earth, it's going to be real hard to cross over and get out of the line that's going the wrong way. Lester Summerall said he had a vision that led him to go after people as a young man. And he saw people, and they were just marching toward a cliff. And there were so many people. It became such a big crowd that as they walked, they couldn't get out of it, and they went right off the cliff into hell. And that's when he felt the call of God to go out and rescue people from that end in their life. And he said there was, the momentum was so strong, there was no way to get out of it. But we are the church. We are for signs and wonders. I believe we're going to see our best days, just like I believe America's going to see her best days. But we're going to have to start living the word of God. My life is a sign. And my children's lives are signs. Now, you may be sitting here tonight, and you say, well, you don't know my kids. No, but I know my God. And I know his word is greater than what your kids are doing. Amen. Because I've seen God turn people's lives around over 40 years of ministry. And he will do it, but we have to be tenacious. And we have to look for the signs. We have to look for the signs. Not the signs that you see in your young people. Not the signs that you see with your natural eyes. The signs that God's put out there that say, what is true about your children? What is true about your life? How many of you have kids that just, you're just praying? Listen, the influence of the world gets stronger and stronger and stronger. We have to be the one. We have to be the one. Let your life be a sign and a wonder. Just like Ezekiel's life was a sign to those people. Let your life be a sign that there is a good God. There is a good God and there's a God who cares about you. And there's a God who doesn't want you to be destroyed but he wants you to have life and have it more abundantly. Amen? Let's stand. 
Father, I thank you for everybody here tonight. A few years ago, I don't even remember when, um, there's a psalm in Psalm 25. It talks about, um, Lord, lead me in the paths. Could you put that one up for me? I wrote a song from this. It says, show me your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. Um, lead me in your truth and teach me, for you are God of my salvation. On you I wait all the day. Um, the song I wrote was, um, it was this, this scripture, but then it was, um, you're the way, the truth, and the life. You light my way. I, I heard this. It's time to stay in your lane. Like, we are, we are in the lane that God has called into the earth for such a time as this. And we have to stay in our lane. And, and he will mark the road. There will be plenty of signs. I really felt this in my heart. So if you're, if you're here today and you say, I, don't, I really don't know where I'm going. Well, God will, make, God will show you a sign. He will show you what to do. And he'll show you how to do it. And then our part is just to obey that. And if we obey and do what God tells us to do, we will see exactly what God wanted to show us. And we'll be in the lane we need to be in. There's a lot of lanes out there right now that people are in that are not leading to the right destination. And if we're supposed to be going north, we need to be going north. Or if we're supposed to be going south, there's a lane for south. There's a lane for north. There's a lane for straight ahead. Make sure we know what that voice is. Amen. Father, I pray for every person here tonight. I thank you, Lord, for their life. And I believe, Lord, that if you've given this word, then there are things that some people in this room, maybe all of us eventually, but maybe not today, but you're going to begin to show us things. And they're going to confirm to us, this is the way, walk ye in it. This is the sign that says, yes, you're on the right road. Yes, you're going the right way. And I believe everyone in this room that knows Jesus will be able to hear that voice. But if you're here tonight and you don't know Jesus, if you've never given him the opportunity to take over your life, that doesn't mean you do everything right. It just means you acknowledge that you need a Savior. You need someone to help you. You need someone to guide you. You need someone to, uh, to a voice that is greater than the voices you hear around you that can help you when you have a need. That's Jesus. And if that's you tonight, you say, I've never really given my heart to the Lord. The Bible says, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God and confess with your mouth that he is the Son of God, that you will be saved. What does that mean? That means that he will come into your life and he will help you from right that moment on. And if that's you, would you lift your hand? I want to pray for you before you go tonight. Yeah, I see your hand. Anybody else? Okay. Father, in Jesus' name, I thank you. If there's anybody else, don't leave here not knowing where you're going to spend eternity. Because eternity's forever. That's you. Lift your hand. Or maybe you've known him and you just got on the wrong path. The Bible says just turn around and come back. He'll be there to help you. Is there anybody else before we pray? Before we pray. If that's you, would you come up here? I want to pray with you. Right here with me. If you'll come up here right now. It's okay. Come on, somebody come with them if they raise their hand. Thank you, Jesus. 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 You can look at me, honey. Turn this way. I'm glad you came tonight. God loves you. And I want to tell you, it's not over. Because that's what the enemy's been saying to you. There just isn't any way out of this. But God has made a way where there is no way. Hi. We're glad you're here tonight. Roberta, Roberta, would you come and stand behind this lady? Thank you. Thank you. Somebody come right here. Bill and Sue, can you come down here and stand? I want us to pray. You know, God is a God of new beginnings. And I'm glad you guys came tonight. He knows where you are and he knows what's going on. And uh, I just feel like there's voices that are saying, to people in situations and we've all been in situations but saying to him you know this there just really is no way out of this and i'm telling you tonight there is a way because your god is greater than what you're facing and you as a man leading your family god knows where you are and he will help you and i pray that over your life that you begin to see that 
there is someone who will take care of you and he will help you with your family he's not going to leave you you're going to you're going to make a difference in their lives don't you be afraid i don't know who's been telling you you you're not a very good mom that's a lie from the pit of hell you love you love your children you love your life and you will have a better life than what you've been living. Everybody say this with me, including all of you standing here. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he died for me. Jesus, I need your help. I won't make it if you don't help me. I need wisdom. I need to know what to do to get the victory. I don't have the victory and I don't know how to get it but I know you will show me I ask you tonight forgive my sins I yield my life and my heart to you in Jesus name now father just stretch your hands out here I pray over this couple I thank you father that you know the beginning from the end in both of these situations. I speak healing over your life in Jesus' name. I thank you, Father, for it. It says the goodness of God is what leads people to, to him, leads people to give up on what they're doing and go after him. And I pray for both of you to know that God sees you, he knows where you are, and he has answers for your situation in Jesus' name. And I pray for you. I pray that every day when you wake up, that you're going to know that God is for you. And greater is he now that is in you than he that's in the world. And the people that have been influencing your life, I bind their work and their words over your life in Jesus' name. And I ask God to make a way for you to separate from those who are taking you the wrong way in Jesus' name and help you get on firm footing with Jesus in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. Now, just stay here a minute. I want to pray over all of you. Confession leads to salvation. That's what the Bible says. When you confess with your mouth that you are born again, confession will help you on a daily basis. That's why every Sunday, every Wednesday, whenever we're here, we make a confession of what we believe. Your ears need to hear what you say. They hear a lot what other people, how many of you have heard everybody's ideas and opinions on how to fix what you've got going on? It's what God shows you. That's what you need to know. So you begin to speak the word of God. I want all of, us, all of you to say this. I am a child of God. I hear the voice of God. The word of God says I am one of his own children. I hear God's voice. I know what to do. He said I would hear him. Therefore, I open my eyes and my ears spiritually to know what God is saying about me, about my family, and every situation that concerns my life. Say this, Psalm 138, 8 says that God perfects everything that concerns me. I have concerns and God said he will perfect those that means he will help me he will show me what I need to do greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world I overcome because I have faith I overcome by that faith not by my flesh but by my faith in God that he will help me he is my deliverer, he is my healer, he is my strength, he is wisdom in my life for everything that I need. I go from here knowing that I will win. That's what the word says. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord be blessed.